Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Good morning, Riverwood. So this past week, I came across an article that was written over 100 years ago in the New York Times. The title of the article was this, How Long Should a Man's Vacation Be? And so in this article, it was giving the opinion of the current president, William Howard Taft. And around the article are other pictures of people who are then giving their opinion of what the president said. So what did the president say of how long should a man's vacation be? Here's the answer right here. Ten days or two weeks is insufficient. The American people have found out that there is such a thing as exhausting the capital of one's health and constitution and that two or three months vacation after the hard and nervous strain to which one is subjected during the autumn and spring are necessary in order to enable one to continue his work the next year with energy and effectiveness, which it ought to have. And all God's people said, yes, Taft for president, yes. Now what is really interesting is if you go to this article, I did, and you blow it up, and you actually read what the president of the railroad said, uh, the president of the steel companies, the president of all of these industrial places, also a Supreme Court justice, and also a, a postmaster general. I'll give you the summary of what they said. Is he for real? <laughs> this can't be true. Two or three months. And isn't that interesting? In 1910, they were having a conversation about work-life balance, finding this rest. And a hundred years later, we're having the same conversation because we are people who are restless and we're constantly trying to figure out how can we find something that will give us rest? Is it going to be more PTO, more vacation, working from home? All of these things we're trying to figure out in this culture we live. How do we find true and meaningful rest? And that's exactly the conversation we're going to have today. God's word is going to speak to all of us in the church because we struggle with this conversation too. Not only does our culture struggle, but we struggle. How can we truly find rest? And not just, I'm tired, but the Bible is going to go even deeper to a rest that your soul, your heart is looking for. That's the real rest we're going to talk about. And it's going to include portions of physical and spiritual, and we're going to get into all of these conversations this morning. If you're someone who is restless, God's Word wants to speak to you. If you know people who are restless, maybe this is something you need to pass on. But today we're going to explore this conversation together from God's Word. And I, just up front, I will guarantee you, I am going to, through God's Word, I'm going to offend many, many people in this room. (laughs) I'm just going to get that out there. Because God's Word is going to have a radical message about resting that you might not see coming, that we need to be aware of and to hear very clearly. All right, so let's open up to God's Word. 
And we've been walking in this series called Greater Than for a number of weeks. We're walking just passage by passage through the book of Hebrews. And we're saying greater than. Who, who is greater than? Jesus is greater than. Well, who's he greater than? He is greater than the angels. He is greater than Moses. And that was stepping on toes to this original church. And he keeps on going and talking to them because there was something they needed to hear and even a church body that was restless. All right, so let's see what God's word says. I'm gonna start in chapter four. I'm gonna read some verses and we'll go back and and look and see what uh, they mean for us. Chapter four, verse one, God's word begins. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and for those who formerly received the good news have failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying, Through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For Joshua had given, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. All right, there's going to be four sections, uh, four movements that we're going to see in the text today. And uh, I'm giving them titles, and the first title of these first eight verses is this, simply this, the story of rest. What is the story of rest? And you can tell, to get into that, the author, he immediately goes into the Old Testament and he now is telling them the origin, the beginnings. Like, if we're going to talk about rest, what are, what are we talking about? Now, as an aside, this is a complete aside, that is a great reflex to have. Whenever you are wondering, like, how am I supposed to react in this moment? What am I supposed to say? Uh, how am I supposed to deal with this problem at work or at school or in my own family or in our own culture? A great reflex is to always think and say, what does God's word say? Not what do the pundits on, on the internet or on TV say, but what does God's word say? That's exactly what this pastor shepherd is doing for the people of his flock what does God's word say about rest it actually has a lot to say about rest all right so what is the story of rest if you see kind of this language here in the the middle it reminds you of a book of the bible um, right there in the middle I think it's the next click right there although his works were finished from the foundation of the world it sounds a lot like what book of the Bible? Genesis. Exactly. And so it is now, he's now going in and he's saying, all right, let's have this conversation about rest and let's go to the very beginning. And he's alluding to this passage out of Genesis chapter 2. Notice what the words say. 
Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested. There's a Hebrew word there that sounds a lot like this, Sabbath. All right. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. All right, so now going all the way back to the very beginnings of rest, we see that our God is a God of rest, which was very unusual. Ancient gods don't rest. They keep working. They're powerful. What was the problem here with Yahweh? Was he weak? Was he tuckered out? He needed a break from all his work? No, 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 no. don't think those kinds of things. He stopped because he was finished and everything that he had done was very good. It was complete. And so God himself sets the example of Sabbath. He is a God who rested. Rest is very near and dear to his heart. So much so that he then wove this into the created order. We have day where there is work and there is night where there is rest. Day, night, work, rest. Even in the week, there is six days of work, 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 work. And then there is rest, a stopping. Not because you're tuckered out, not because you're too tired, but a stopping to recognize the one who designed you that way. And so from the very created order, there is this rest that has been woven in. And so much so that you get to the, to the next parts of the Old Testament, and God works this idea into the Ten Commandments. Number four, the longest, the longest uh, commandment by far, the, a lot of explaining needed to happen, was this one. The fourth one, where God said to his people, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath, Sabbath, a rest to the Lord your God. Notice what it doesn't say. You're resting because you're tired. No, it is to the Lord your God. You are, you are recognizing what he has done. The rest of the world might be still running in the whirlwind. My people will stop. And if people are going by, that's okay. We're going to stop. This is what the Old Testament teaches. And, and if you were somebody who didn't obey the Sabbath, this was very serious. They would put people out of their community who were like, oh, what's the big deal? I'm just going to work seven. And no, no, no. This is a very, very important concept. I was talking with people as they came in the door in this past week about how when I was growing up, and I have those kinds of stories, but I remember the days where there was nothing open on a Sunday. Yes. Actually, last hour, like everybody in the room was like, yeah, it's an old, old, older crowd last hour. <laughs> but I remember we'd go home on our way to church and we would stop at Lawson's. And the only thing we would buy, it was the only thing open, the only thing we would buy was not chip dip. I know, we should have bought the chip dip. 
But the only thing we bought was the Cleveland Plain Dealer. For some reason, we didn't have it delivered to our house. We would buy the Sunday paper. We'd go home and have roast beef. Yeah, the good old days of roast beef in the afternoon. Now, we lived in a culture 40 years ago where there were lots of things closed to help us stop. That's the first part of it. Stopping is one of the pieces of physical stopping, but there is much more to this idea of Sabbath. I don't know if our culture really didn't catch on to that, but then 40 years later, it's, it's really, is there any stopping of anything? And where will this go 40 years from now? It's just interesting. Really interesting. All right, so back to Hebrews. The the verses now around the ones we saw in Genesis that allude to Genesis now tell us really about the other story of the wanderers in the desert. And the wanderers were going into the desert and looking for the promised land, and Moses would not enter it. And the people, many of them did not enter it because of their, in verse 6, now we're getting into the real kind of other part of Sabbath, because of their disobedience and their hard-heartedness in verse 7. And then he tells us this in verse 8, which is really fascinating. He says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. And you, you, it begs the question, didn't they find the rest they were looking for? Joshua brought them to the promised land. Yes, he did physically, but there were many who did not find the real rest that their heart was needing. And that's what this conversation about rest from the Old Testament is all about. It's a conversation not about work and vacation days, It's a conversation about the heart. Where is your heart in the midst of that? And so the story of rest is established in creation. It's commanded by God. And it's a holistic story of rest from physical rest that then leads us to spiritual rest that is built upon a relationship with God. I'm going to say that again because that's really the the story in eight verses. He summarizes the whole Old Testament to say this, that rest is established in creation. It's commanded by God. It's this holistic story of rest that is both physical and spiritual that is built upon a relationship that he's now going to say that you can enter into. You can enter into that kind of rest Not about PTO, not about taking a vacation. It's about entering that kind of rest. Not because you're too tired, not because you're exhausted. Entering this kind of rest that your soul is desperately looking for. All right, verse 8 is the admittance that this is the rest that Joshua can never provide, which then leads us to the next section, verse 9. I call this the the invitation, verses 9, 10, and 11. The invitation to rest. He's now talking to his church body, and he was saying, you know the story of rest and how many never found it, but you can. And here's the invitation. He says this, So then there remains a Sabbath rest. Ah, Sabbath rest. Yes, God, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Sabbath rest. 
there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. All right, so he's now addressing the people in the church with this rich and storied history, a deep reverence for what God says in the Old Testament scriptures, and after making the case of the creator's holistic Sabbath rest, he now gives them the incredibly good news, and he says, guess what? You too can enter in. You can enter in. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The invitation is is real. The invitation comes to humanity, as we know what God's word says, through a relationship with God. And the clearest words on this for the church and for our church come from the very mouth of Jesus Christ. You heard Maggie say these words that came from Jesus. Allow this to be words that maybe you need to hear this morning. And notice the richness of these words that come from the story of the Old Testament that come from the mouth of Jesus. Jesus would say this, come to me. Enter, enter that relationship. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, all those who are running the whirlwind of life, and I will give you, notice what he says, rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Yes, that's what I'm looking for. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not found in more PTO, longer vacations, work-life balance, conversation ad nauseum no 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 no. the rest that your heart is looking for is found in a relationship with jesus christ period and he's he's actually calling that out over this church this invitation and he's calling this out over this church too and i don't know who here needs to hear this but somebody i'm guessing needs to hear these words that jesus is speaking this invitation Our lives were burdened with sin, the effects of a sin-laden world, and we're always behind. We're always trying to catch up. And in the midst of all that, Jesus breaks through and he says, enter in. Enter in. I know there's, there's a whirlwind you'll never catch up to. Come on in. I want to have a relationship with you. And so the question I have is, have you entered that? Have you entered into this kind of rest that only Jesus Christ offers? This is really important. As a church, we, we speak of this often because this is the, the cornerstone of what we believe. We build our, our church upon this truth that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And that true rest for the souls of mankind comes through a relationship with him. Have you been to that place? Have you entered in? through Jesus Christ. And in verse 10, he gives us the the wonderful promise. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. 
It's, it's a futuristic moment to look forward to. He's referencing that one day we will exit the whirlwind. Our lives will be over. The chasing, the chasing, the trying to keep up with the Joneses and this and this, it'll all be over. And in that moment, we will enter into this rest permanently with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the very, it's interesting, in the very last book of the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the, the, the writer John says this. Notice the language he uses. He says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. The story of rest, the invitation to rest. But what about here and now, until that day? If you have entered into that rest in Jesus Christ, the next question is, well, how do we practice that? What does that look like to live in a whirlwind world where we are then to be called to practice, right now, rest, peace. As individuals, we need to have answers to this. As families, we need to sort this out. As a church, we need to really think hard. In a world filled with restlessness and even the promotion of restlessness, the rewarding of restlessness, what can we do? How are we to live? And again, we go back to the question, what does God's word say? And we ground ourselves in passages like Genesis and Exodus and Hebrews because it says that God has created us to rest. It says that he has commanded us to rest. And it says that rest is, is really hard for restless creatures. And so in the practicing of this idea of rest, we also know that God's word says it's really a conversation about the heart. So how do we practice rest in our hearts in the way that we have been designed and in this world that we live? And there's really a two-step process to this. The first step is to enter into a conversation about physically stopping. That's really what the commandment number four was all about. The principle of work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. You see, if we're ever going to have the conversation part two about spiritual rest, we first have to enter into a very real conversation about physical rest. And here's my fear. Much like the fear, I believe, of this pastor of this church for the writer of Hebrews, I too also have a deep fear for the people of God. In the year 2022, are we the kinds of people who can say no? Can we say no? What would it look like for us to practice the Sabbath one out of seven? 
What would it look like? Let me just give some ideas. What would it look like not to do homework on Sundays? For all the students out there, your work is study, 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 and you're doing all this, but I'm going to cram it all in on Sunday afternoon. What if you actually worked ahead where you then weren't doing school on Sunday? Or how about those who love to open up the laptop on Sunday for work? Well, I'm just going to look at some emails. I'm just going to try to get ahead. I'm just going to try to respond to this person. They really need me. I really need to do this. No. What if you said, no, I'm not going to? Well, I might get fired. I might lose my job. And? The rest of the world is answering emails. The rest of the world is working and working. They're getting ahead. I'm getting left behind. Are you really? Is it worth it? Because if you don't enter into physical rest, let me just tell you, you won't get to part two of the spiritual rest. Part one is really important. What would it look like for families not to play sports on Sundays? Oh, but, but they have to. That's the only time they play is on Sunday. Do you have to do that? Is somebody making you? What kind of choices are, are you making as families? Are we creating a sanctuary of rest somewhere in the week where, where we're stopping and the, the rest of the world is going and going and going, but we're going to stop. And everyone's going to be like, well, you're not going to be included then. That's okay. That's all right. Can we say no? Are we willing to say no to build these fences of stopping physically? That's part one. Part two then goes into now that you have stopped physically, now what do you do? And this is just as hard for people who love to be on phones and to never, to always be entertained. There's open space. Now what do I do? I, I have two, three, four hours. What am I going to do? Give me my phone. I must run to it to entertain myself. What would it look like to enter into that open space with a different plan. How, 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 how? This is where I believe that God's word is going to speak some real practical help. He's been going down rest, 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 rest. Here's how you're gonna practice rest. And then these verses that are so familiar, this is how it all glues together in the context. For people who are like, now what do I do? How do I practice the spiritual part now that I've stopped? He says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying you need to Physically slow down and stop so that the word of God can do surgery on you. Well, I only have five minutes. I need to get a quick devotional thought for the day. 
And some days that's fine, but what would it look like to actually have an open-ended amount of time to allow the Word of God to do the kind of surgery where it gets to the level of discerning your thoughts or allowing the Word to get to the point where it's getting to the intentions of the heart. It's hard to do that in five minutes. But what does it look like to lay your life before the Lord and to build time where he can do this? Maybe setting aside a Sunday afternoon where um, you're taking a walk with your spouse, by yourself, your family, just, just to be in God's creation and to ask just questions about how good God is and something you've learned in church or something that's sticking out to you. What are you wrestling with? What are you worried about? Open space to, to give God the time um, to do this kind of surgery. This is my dream. I, I dream of these moments as a shepherd pastor for you because I know how much pressure there is out there to keep going in the whirlwind. But my prayer is that we will be the kinds of people who will say no, who will pull over and be willing to go to these kinds of deep spots that the word of God can get us to. All right, so this conversation about the story of rest, the invitation to enter into the one who is our rest, Jesus Christ, and now this conversation about practicing rest, and now one final verse about the result. Like, where is the, re like, what's the end goal here of rest? Verse 13 is fascinating. This is what can happen when you rest well in the Lord through his word. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In our rest, this is, this is the end goal and this word um, exposed right here, it's a Greek word that means to lift your head and to expose the most vulnerable part of your body, your neck. It's almost as if he's saying, we work, 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 we rest well physically to enter into a spiritual rest with God's word so that the end result will be laying out on the table exposed exposed. Dear God, do a work in my life. Here's my, here are the intentions of my heart. Here are my thoughts. I'm exposed. When was the last time you were exposed to the Lord? That's the kind of rest he's looking for his people to enter into. Not the kind of like, hey, I'm just going to catch a nap. And, but actually slowing our lives down to get to the point where we can be exposed. I think I, This is my opinion. I think he's even making allusions to talking about nakedness to, to allude back to the kind of uh, freedom that they had in Genesis 2. I mean, to be that kind of exposed, to be free, 
Because in that exposure, there now is the opportunity for transformation. There's the, the potential for a renewal. There's the, the potential to be made in his likeness. In the fast-paced American lives that we live, we never have moments to do this. And so he's calling us to be the kinds of people who will find our rest in him and that we will practice this kind of rest. What is the Lord speaking to you? I know he might be saying something individually to you through his word. Maybe it's something about entering that rest that your soul needs in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's something about, are we really asking deeper questions about, are we really practicing rest? I mean, are we really saying no? I will tell you, some of the worst offenders of Sabbath rest are pastors. But I will tell you, I build lots of gates and lots of fences on Mondays. This is a work day, but Monday is a Sabbath rest, and I guard it. I guard it. You're going to need to build guard, guards and rails around that kind of physical stopping in a culture that wants to keep going and going so that you can get to the point of being exposed to be changed by the Lord. The last thing I want you to hear is verse 1. I'm going to go all the way back to verse 1. That was the warning he started with, and it really is sobering. Because if you have never found rest, you don't practice rest, there is something that may speak to a deeper lack of, remember, relationship, that this is built upon, this idea of rest. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us, let the church fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We are busy achievers, workaholics. The, the list goes on and on. I pray you'd help us to find our rest in you, in your son. This is what our soul needs to enter into that kind of rest and then walk with you in that kind of rest. And I pray that you would help us to be the kind of church where we're, we're okay with everybody else running ahead. We're okay with people advancing. We're, we're okay because our trust is in you. And may we practice that um, as, as, our, as a church. Help us in that. May we practice that as families. May we practice this as individuals. That our ultimate trust is in the one in whom is in control of everything. Thank you. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would allow us even in this next moment to reflect and to be challenged by what you might be speaking to our hearts today. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.